Scripture. Let's take our Bibles out tonight from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 13, if you would. You get there, let's go ahead and stand, stretch your legs. I do appreciate you being here, even though a lot of our young people are out and upstairs, and tonight's the night of our teen refresh. Our teenagers are upstairs, and pray for them as they're up there having some preaching just for them. I have to admit, uh, you're not as cute as they are. Our congregation is less cute tonight because all of our kids are out, uh, but you're just going to have to do, okay? So try to smile and make up for your lack of cuteness, okay? Proverbs chapter number 13. We're going to preach out of one verse tonight, really, just one. And uh, it really is just a verse that uh, the context is in itself. And so we're going to read verse number four. Proverbs chapter number 13, one verse. I'm going to read it through twice for the sake of time and clarity. The Bible says, The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Yes, let's go ahead and pause right there. Some of you just found your life's verse. Some of you just discovered that you're diligent. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Boy, there's some great truth in here tonight. Looking forward to sharing it with you. Let's pray and ask God to help us. Father, I do thank you again for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful truths. Father, even today as we study, Lord, how your word was so living and working in my heart, what a blessing it is to always go and find not only what we need, but something fresh and new that, Lord, you've preserved in there for us. And Lord, I pray tonight that the truth you've sent would be one that will hide deep within our heart. Help us see the secret you're sharing with us tonight. Lord, how we might be prosperous in your will for the time that you've given us. Bless what I pray. The service is all over property tonight. Our young people work in their hearts. I pray the lost would be saved. Pray your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Every once in a while, I'll be speaking with someone about a pastor uh, or speaking about being a pastor. They'll ask me what it's like and, uh, you know, what your job entails and things along that line. And I try to tell them, you know, a pastor is not really a job. It's a calling more so than it is a career, and it comes with a great burden. And sometimes as a pastor, uh, we don't always communicate the burden of what God has desired us to do as well as we should. And sometimes it's good just to share it and put it out there. And I was thinking this afternoon if I could share simply what my burden is and some of the burden that I have as a pastor and as the pastor of Central Baptist Church. Uh, it's the burden not just to lead our people to be good people. I believe our church is full of good people. I believe most of you, if not all of you here tonight, you're good people. Uh, but the burden of a pastor is not just to help lead people to be good people, but to lead people to become godly people. And my prayer for our church is that we wouldn't just be good, that we'd be godly. We not, wouldn't just be faithful people and faithful to church, but be faith-filled people in our church. I believe you can be faithful to church without being faith-filled in the church. And I believe our country reflects that today. We have a lot of people faithful to church, but maybe not so much faith-filled in the church. And then to help lead people to become uh, spiritual people and not just sincere people. We live in the Bible Belt. I believe most people here that go to church, not just at our church, but churches all over the South, I believe are very sincere about the things we believe. But, you know, sincerity doesn't accomplish a lot. We can't just be sincere religious people. We've got to learn to be spiritual people. And, boy, as a pastor, that's one of the burdens that I have is that our people will become spiritual and not just sincere. Now, here's the burden of the message tonight. Unfortunately, too often, that step from becoming a good person to a godly person is one that we don't often make. 
The step of going from being a sincere person to becoming a spiritual person is one we don't have the stomach to do. Or going from being a faithful person in the church to being faith-filled in the church, two totally different things that often we don't have the stomach or the desire to pull off. And here's what I hate. I hate tonight thinking about all the things we miss out on because we're not willing to take the next step in the will of God for our life. Now, I don't know what the next step is for you. I know what the next step is for me of what I need to do and God's will for my life and where I need to grow as a child of God and his will and through his word. But there is a next step for you, and I know that because you're still here. As long as we draw breath, God has something more for us to accomplish. He doesn't desire that we get stagnant in his will. He desires that we continue to move on and growing in his will. Now, tonight, I believe verse number four shows us the secret on how to do that. Just one verse. I told my wife on the way to church tonight, I said, I'm excited about preaching tonight because the truth was one that helped me so much as we kind of dissected this one verse in my own personal devotions. Verse number four, the Bible says, the soul of the sluggard, or the lazy man, if you will, desireth and hath nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. That means prosperous or growing, okay? Uh, Fat, not physically necessarily, but spiritually, meaning we are growing and becoming more prosperous in our faith. Now, I believe that's the will of God for all of us, that we become more prosperous in God's will for our life, that we move on to do things tomorrow that we didn't do today. Now, I'm thankful, by the way, tonight that God desires that for me. That God didn't just save me and leave me alone until the rapture comes. My Father has a will for my life, and that will is to constantly be growing until the Lord comes and takes me home, whether it be in death or the rapture of the church. I'd rather go in the rapture of the church, amen? But here's the problem. We can't just pray and expect that to happen on its own. Verse number four really shows us the secret on having a prosperous life and the will of God for our life. And I want to tell you, it's labor-intensive. Now, some of you may have turned me off right there. You're like, labor, work, I don't want any part of that, okay? I'll be honest with you. I wish it just came to us, don't you? I wish it was like the prize patrol. Uh, And some angel from heaven just knocked on my door and says, here, here's spiritual prosperity for your life. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Just show up one of those great big old checks and say, here is spiritual prosperity for your life. Here's growth and the will of God for your life. All you got to do is receive it. I'll be like, wow, hey, that's great. It's not going to happen that way. It's labor intensive. You're going to have to work for it. And verse 4 shows us that. It reminds me of the story of two college buddies. They had been graduated uh, from college several years. And one turned out to be extremely successful. And the other one, not so much. The one that wasn't successful went to the one that was, and he says, okay, what was the secret of your success? He says, look, it just all came from the Bible. He's like, really? I want to know more. He says, well, look, one day I just opened my Bible, closed my eyes, put my finger down on the page, and and I I opened my eyes, and it had the word gold. I had touched the word gold, and so I invested my money in gold, and I became rich. He says, one day I opened up my Bible again, and I just put my finger on the page and looked down, and it said oil. And so I invested all of my money in oil, and I I became rich. So the guy thought to himself, hey, if it's that easy, I want to do that. And so he goes home, and he felt a little sheepish, so he went into his closet where nobody could see him and closed his eyes and put his finger on the page and turned the light on. And when he opened it on, his fingers were on the words, chapter 11. And for too terribly long, he filed for bankruptcy because that's where it's going to lead you. 
You can't just hope that it's just naturally going to happen. Finding the will of God is labor-intensive. Fulfilling the will of God is labor-intensive. And you're going to have to be to work for it. Now, what is the key tonight? I believe verse number four really shows us what the key to being prosperous in God's will for our life. Watch what it says. The soul of the sluggard, that's the lazy man, desireth and hath nothing. But the soul of the, now watch that next word. This is the key right here. Diligent shall be made fat. You see, tonight the difference is diligence. The difference is diligence. That's what I'm going to preach on tonight. The difference is is diligence. You find someone who's prosperous in the will of God for their life. I'm not talking about numbers, okay? I'm talking about someone that God is using. You ever look at another Christian that God is using? Maybe they're not seeing thousands of people saved, but it's evident that God is using them and God is blessing their life, all right? I'm not preaching Joel Osteen on prosperity gospel. I'm preaching about being prosperous in the will of God, where you're accomplishing more for the cause of Christ with each passing day in your Christian walk. You ever see somebody like that? And you're thinking, man, I wish I had the opportunities they have. Well, to be honest, oftentimes the key is not talent. We put a lot of stock in talent. Uh, We hear the greatest talent, and this is true. It's not ability, it's availability. And I would add to that diligence in the availability of your life for the will of God. And so tonight we're going to look at this subject of the difference is diligence. Dave Ramsey says this, work is doing it. Discipline is doing it every day. Diligence is doing it well every day. Can I tell you, accomplishing the will of God for your life and becoming prosperous or spiritually fat, okay? Becoming spiritually fat in the will of God for your life is going to require diligence. That's the difference tonight. And if we will adopt diligence in our walk with God, I promise you, you will find the prosperity of fulfilling what God's called you to do. So let's look at verse number four. There's really two principles I want to share with you, and I'll give you one in closing tonight. And boy, this is a blessing to me. Now, perhaps the best way tonight to define diligence is to help you see what diligence is not, okay? Sometimes the best way to know what something is is to know what something is not. And the first part of verse number four shows us what diligence is not. Watch what it says. The Bible says, the soul of the slugger desireth and hath nothing. Now, here's what the Bible's doing. There's two words that start with the letter D in verse four. And the Bible's differentiating between two things. It's differentiating between diligence and desire. Now stick with me tonight, if you will. If diligence is going to make the difference in your life and in your personal ministry, okay? I'm not talking about the ministries maybe you operate in here at Central. I'm talking about in the personal ministry of your life. If diligence is going to make the difference in that, you've got to understand this first point that I'm going to give you. Number one, desire is not the same as diligence, Desire is not the same as diligence. Now, that seems obvious to us tonight, doesn't it? But I want you to hear me out. Too often we give ourselves credit for desiring to do something, even if we never do it. Did you hear what I said? Too often we give ourselves credit for doing something if we desire to do it, even if we never did it and never accomplished anything through that. Now, desire is important. You need to have desire. But if all you have is desire, desire will eventually run out. Desire will get you started, but eventually your desire must be coupled with diligence in order to find and fulfill the will of God for your life. Let me give an example. 1 Timothy 3.1, the Bible says this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good thing. 
By the way, mom and dad, if you have a child that desires to be used of God, that desires to be in ministry, that desires to be a missionary, that desires to be a pastor, unless it's a woman, okay? If it's a guy, that's okay. If they desire to be in ministry, hey, don't rain on that parade. If they desire to be a doctor, you'd celebrate it. If they desire to be a lawyer, probably, you'd celebrate that. If they desire to be president, you'd celebrate that. Hey, there's no higher calling than to serve God with your life in ministry. So if they desire that, that's a good thing. But wait a minute, desire is not enough. If all you had was desire to be in ministry, and that's all that it went to, and that's as far as it got, you wouldn't be in ministry very long. Because desire's going to run. You know what desire is? It's want to. I promise you, there are days you don't want to. When you're serving God, there's days you're not going to want to. And the only thing that's going to keep you going is diligence, all right? But watch this. The second part of that verse, the Bible says in verse 1, if you desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing or good work. But then here's what it says. A bishop must then be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Can I tell you, in order to fulfill those requirements, do you know what that requires? Diligence. Diligence. You may desire to be in ministry and desire to serve God, but then you have to be diligent to be blameless. You're not going to be blameless on accident. I promise you that. You've got to be diligent. You're not going to be, what does it say? The husband of one wife, unless you're diligent. You're not going to be vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given the hospitality and apt to teach. If you are not diligent, desire alone is not going to accomplish it. Now, here's what we've got to realize tonight. At some point, your want to in the will of God has got to become a work toward, okay? At some point, that want to that's in there, you're here on Wednesday night. People are tuning in on Wednesday night. They could be watching Wheel of Fortune, but they're tuning in tonight. Obviously, you have a want to. If you're saved tonight, I hope that what's inside of me is inside of you. That's a want to, all right? You have a desire to serve God and be prosperous in the will of God for your life, all right? But sooner or later, that want to has got to become a work toward. Because if all you have is a want to, it's going to run out when you don't want to. That's deep, isn't it? There's days you're not going to want to. There's days you're not going to feel like it. There's days you want to just quit on the will of God. There's days you're not going to feel like giving somebody a gospel tract because the last time you gave one, somebody slammed the door in your face and your want to is going to run out. But what will keep you going when nothing else will is spiritual diligence. Now watch what the verse says. The Bible says in verse 4, the soul of the slugger, that's the lazy man, desireth. So he has a desire, but notice the Bible says he hath nothing. He has nothing. Why? Because a want to is not enough. Oh, there have been many a day, many a day. Boy, I sat there on a cold winter morning looking out the window. and Boy, it's a great day to go deer hunting. Boy, I want to kill a deer. I haven't killed a deer in four years. Boy, you're looking out the window. and Boy, you want to. And then you look at the thermometer. 27? 27, man. If, you know, if I go out there and sit on that tree and I get pneumonia... I'm not going to be able to preach. I get laryngitis, and then I would compromise uh, my duty to God, and so therefore I'm just going to stay in the warm bed. I spiritualized my excuse why I didn't. Do you know I didn't go out there? <laughs> I wasn't being diligent. I had a desire, but I didn't have any diligence. Now, folks, listen. If we're going to be prosperous, spiritually fat, and the will of God for our life, at some point you've got to do something with your desire. There's our problem. There's our problem. 
We all have a desire, don't we? There's something in there. I bet you even the most backslidden person in this room could be me. I don't know. The most backslidden person in this room, there's something inside of you that every once in a while is burdened about giving a gospel tract to somebody. It's in there. You're talking to somebody at a gas station, and they're down and out having a tough time, and you're thinking, man, they just need the Lord. And boy, you're thinking about it, and you desire it, but you're not diligent enough to follow through with it. Now, folks, look, it's not just going to come to us. At some point, you've got to add diligence to your desire, but understand this. Don't excuse your lack of diligence simply because you have a desire. Desire is not going to accomplish it on its own. Margaret Thatcher, the Iron Maiden, said this. No one would remember the good Samaritan if he only had good intentions. No one would remember. The good Samaritan, we would have never known about them. We wouldn't talk about him and use him as an example to follow. We'd know nothing about the good Samaritan if all he had was good intentions. That he's riding by on his donkey and he looks down, there's this guy laying there in the ditch. Poor guy. Wonder what happened to him. Hmm. Hope somebody comes along. Hey, that's a good desire for him. We'd have never known about him. We know memory of him if he didn't add some diligence to his desire. Now, here's what I'm afraid of tonight. Far too many Christians are going to live a spiritually unmemorable life because you never added diligence to your desire, right? Your life is not going to make an impact here on earth. You're going to waste the time that God gave you. You're going to waste this wonderful life that God has given you, the great health that God has given you. You're going to waste the opportunity that God has given you all because you had a desire and you excused your diligence because, hey, I I want to do right. No, at some point, you've got to add a work toward to your want to. Matthew chapter 25, I'll give you a good example. This is the, uh, the account of the ten virgins. I want to read it for you because there are several scriptures. Matthew chapter 25, the Bible says this. Listen close. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Stop right there. The ten virgins, the Bible says they went forth to meet the bridegroom. You know what that means? All of them desired to meet the bridegroom. Can, can we agree with that? All ten desired to meet the bridegroom. Why? Because the Bible says they went forth to meet the bridegroom. Verse 2, Matthew 25, the Bible says, And five of them were wise. Five of them, five were foolish. How do you know who was wise and who were foolish? Well, let's keep reading. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. The wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our, our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Now, wait a minute. What's happening here in Matthew 25? They all had a desire, but five of them did something with their desire. They added diligence to it. They said, you know what? We have a desire to meet the bridegroom, so we're going to do all that we can to make sure when he comes that we're ready. They added diligence to their desire. But the others said, you know what? We're just going to chill out over here. We want to meet him. We want to see him when he comes, and we're just going to wait on him. They had a desire, but they were not diligent, and they missed out. Can I tell you tonight, I believe a lot of us are spiritually going to miss out on what God desires for our life simply because we had a desire and we excused ourselves. Boy, I'm going to. 
Boy, I want to. I'm going to get around to it one day. And boy, I'll tell you, I'm going to do great things for God. Your desire will never do anything of itself. You've got to add diligence to that. You say, well, how do you know? Well, I'll give you another scripture just in case you don't believe me. Psalms 145, 19. The Bible says he will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. Now hear that out. The Bible says he will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. So we have desires, things we desire of God, things we desire God do through us and for us. The Bible says he will fulfill the desire of them that what? Fear him. Now this is important. Can I tell you fearing God means you have placed God in the rightful place of your life? Can I tell you how you get him there? Diligence. God is not going to magically find himself in the right place of your life. You've got to put him there. That's why he says you've got to seek him first. You've got to put him first. You're going to have to diligently work to fear God. And then once that diligence, God sees that, he honors us with what? Our desire. He will also hear their cry and will save them. You see, fearing God's a matter of diligence. It's not going to happen by itself. Putting God first in your life, in the center of your home, giving him preeminence in every area of your life, it's not going to happen by accident. It's kind of like tires. You get them balanced. Man, don't they run good when they're balanced? Oh, just smooth. After a while, you start feeling this whoa, 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 going down the road. What happened? Just a natural toll of time. Living in this cursed world, they got unbalanced. You got to go back in and rebalance them again. That's the way it is with God's preeminence in your life. You've got to work hard diligently to put him where he belongs, but it's worth it. Why? The Bible says he will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. Our desires are want to. Our diligence is a will to. And I'll tell you, look, the will to will be there when your want to runs out. Diligence will get you through when desire has run out. Several years ago when I was a teenager, my dad took us on a mission trip. I can't remember where we were going. Or a missions trip or maybe to Smite or a youth conference. I can't remember what it was. And we had this old minivan. Man, it was one of the cool ones that had the wood grain sides on it. I mean, you couldn't typify the 90s any better than that, than a minivan with the wood grain sides on it. Didn't we have a station wagon with wood grain sides on it too? We just love wood grains, you know? Carpenter family. We had wood on our cars, wood on our vans. And... It was kind of cool. It was the first car we ever had. It was in the 90s, and I thought we were uptown. I really did. We bought it off a missionary. And uh, I remember we were on our way to this, whatever event was, a church event, a conference. I can't remember what it was. And as we're going down the road, the, the dash lights, all the interior lights begin to go from bright to dim, begin to kind of turn brown. And boy, you could just tell, it's like our car was dying, you know. Uh, it was going into the darkness. It was just the lights were all going out. And dad says, our alternator must be going out. You know, the alternator is the thing that recharges your battery. And so now our car was basically running off of our battery. And man, we literally coasted into the place where we were going. And it just died. You see, that battery helps get things started, but that alternator kind of keeps it going. That battery is a lot like uh, when we're trying and desiring to serve God. We just want to, but that one to can only get you so far. Look. You've got to have that will to, that diligence that we add to it. That's what's going to keep us going. Unfortunately, today, we look at so many of our churches. All right, look, I'm not here to pick on another church. Uh, I don't have to give an account for them. I have to give an account for this one. There's a lot of churches out there. Boy, we stir up a desire. We stir up a desire, but that desire will never take the place of diligence in your walk with God. Number one tonight, get this, okay? Desire is not the same as diligence. The verse says in verse 4, 
The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing. You know what that word soul means? It doesn't mean soul like we think soul. It means our heart. So the sluggard in his heart desires to be spiritually fat. He desires to be prosperous. But can I tell you what the problem is? We use this excuse a lot. God knows my heart. Have you ever said that? I've said it many times. God knows my heart. He knows that I want to. He knows that I desire to. But here's the problem. It never gets beyond our heart. If we're going to please God and fulfill his will, that desire has got to get beyond our heart to the diligence of our hands. Sooner or later, we've got to do something with what we say we honestly desire. Last week, I was, uh, I was in California and uh, I, I got up long, long before the sun rose and drove out into the desert. Just, you know, you're reading the Bible, everybody was praying in the desert. And I'm thinking, well, I'm going to try it out. And so I get in my car and I drive out into the desert. And uh, the, it's Joshua trees out there in the middle of the desert. And the desert's kind of a strange beauty. Around here, we have all the green trees and grass. There's no grass. No grass. Tumbleweeds, Joshua trees out there. And I says, I'm just going to find me a spot out here in the desert and I'm going to pray. I read the Bible, all these people, they went in the wilderness to pray. I said, I'm going to go to the wilderness to pray. So I get up in the morning, drive out there in the dark and find me a spot to pull over to the side of the road. Uh, my wife says, didn't you feel scared? I says, no, I could see for miles. Nobody was going to sneak up on me out there. <laughs> you know, I had time to get in the rental car and take off and run like a chicken. And so I go out there and I found me a Joshua tree. I have a picture of it. This is my Joshua tree that uh, I'd go to and I'd pray every morning. That was my Joshua tree. Uh, why I picked that one? It was closest to the road. That's why I picked that one. Not a far walk to go to. That was my tree. I'd go there and pray every morning before the sun rose. And just spend some time with God. Pour my heart out to God. Opportunity for a preacher to go get preached to at a, at a good, good conference to go to. And I uh, got preached to in the night, preached to in the morning. And early morning, I'd go out there and i just talk with God. I'd get up in the morning and go out there and just pour my heart out to all that I desire to do for God. When I, I go back to Central, my wife and I just kept telling each other, when we go back to Central, let's go back different. I believe you ought to desire that every day of your spiritual life, I want to be different. I want to be closer to God. I want to do more for God today. Every day we get back to the hotel, my wife and I sit back and we talk, let's go back different, let's go back changed. You know, every time we come to church, you ought to desire to leave different, to leave changed. <clears throat> I remember I'm sitting out there, I'm literally kneeling out there in the, in the sand under my Joshua tree. And I'm praying and just telling God all that I desire to do for him and all that I wanted to do for him. And asking God blessings on what, what we wanted to do here at Central. And oh, it just hit me. That sooner or later, all that you want to do has got to be worked toward. That sooner or later, you've got to put some shoe leather to your prayers. Sooner or later, you've got to add some diligence to your desire. And I've been carrying this rock around ever since I got home. This was a rock. I, there was a prettier one, but it was too big to carry in your pocket. <clears throat> so I got a small one. I picked this rock up under my Joshua tree that's out there and uh, I hope that one day, hey, one day when the great Central Baptist Church revival takes place, we can go put a plaque on that Joshua tree. Amen? No, just picking. I picked up this rock from there, and I carried it right in my pocket. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me that I've got to be diligent with my desire. I can't just want it. Sooner or later, you've got to work toward it. You've got to put in the effort. Why? Because God will honor that. So how do you know? We'll look at verse 4. The Bible, or verse 3, the Bible says, or, I'm sorry, 4, the soul of the slugger desire that hath nothing. I can desire all that I want, but sooner or later I've got to be diligent in order to be made fat or prosperous in the will of God for my life. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 6, 6, we know this well, but I want you to think about what it says. The Bible says, go to the ant, thou sluggard. The sluggard is the lazy man that we're just reading about in verse 4. 
He's slothful. He's a sluggard, okay? Uh, literally where we get the root of our word slug from. Proverbs 6, 6 says, go to the ant, thou sluggard. Why? Because it goes on to say that the ant provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. Do you know why he used the ant as an example? He used the ant as an example because the ant was diligent. He says, hey, sluggard. Hey, guy that's lazy, being slothful. Hey, go look at the ant. That ant is out there working. That ant's providing her meat in the summer. That ant is diligent in her work. That ant's going to survive. That ant's going to make it. That ant's going to prosper. Tonight, you know what? We're either one of two things. Don't take offense to this, okay? We're either an ant or a slug. We're either an ant or a slug. We're either diligent in our business because we want to have the blessings of God on our life, or we're that slug. You ever seen a slug? Just slimy, big old fat worm sitting there. I mean, look, every once in a while they'll get under our carport, and you'll go out there on the carport, and there'll be a slug out there, and he's sitting there, and he's just moving himself along. You come back like 10 hours later, he's moved four inches. He's a slug, slow, he's slothful. I mean, boy, I tell you, in the church today in America, I think we got more slugs than we do ants. We don't make a whole lot of movement. We don't cover a whole lot of ground. We're just kind of the same we were. I mean, we come to church on one Sunday, we're about the same place we were last Sunday. The Bible says, go to the ant, thou slugger. You've got to realize that ant's diligent in her work, and that ant's going to be prosperous uh, when the cold comes. So number one tonight, if, we, if we're going to see what God has next for us, we're going to have to work toward it through diligence. And the first lesson in this is to understand that desire is not the same thing as diligence. You may have a desire, but sooner or later you have to do something about it. Now, watch the second thing. The second thing is very important. The soul of the slugger desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Can I tell you, simply put, tonight... Wanting it bad enough is not going to be enough. All right? Wanting it bad enough is not going to be enough. How many things have you wanted your whole life that you didn't get because you didn't work for? The Bible says in all labor there's profit. All right? Having prosperity, spiritual prosperity, listen, that's labor. You're going to have to labor for that. And tonight I believe you look at our country, and our country is an example of itself that most Churches today are full of slugs. All right, I'm not calling you a slug. I'm, I'm a slug sometimes too. So how do you know that? I'll give you an example. In our country tonight, there's over 332 million people. According to statistics, there are over 314,000 Christian congregations. Now, obviously, they're not all folks like us, but uh, I believe out of all those 314,000 congregations that call themselves Christian, would you not say that I believe all of them, if not most of them, desire that America be better? I mean, I don't know any Christian organizations out there that are like, you know, let's bring down America. There may be a few wackos out there, uh, but I think few and far between. Most Christian organizations in America, 314,000 of them, desire that America be better. Correct? I would agree. And yet America's not better. America's worse. Do you know why? Desire's not enough. I mean, do you know if every one of those 314,000 Christian organizations in America just reached 1,000 people just about our entire country would be reached for the cause of Christ. All they had to do was reach 1,000. Our church has reached far more than 1,000 people in the time God's let us be here. And America's continually getting worse. Why? Because desire is not enough. The church has got to be diligent. Now, watch this. But notice the second thing tonight. The Bible says that that diligent man shall be what? Well, the diligent man shall be made fat. 
This has given us the second thing about diligence we need to see tonight. Number two, diligence always produces dividends. Diligence always produces dividends. You add diligence to your desire, it will always produce dividends. Now, desire alone leaves us what? Destitute, but diligence pays dividends. By the way, God knew that principle before the tortoise and the hare figured it out. What is the tortoise and the hare all about? Could we agree it's about diligence? Here's that little slow turtle making its way, making its way. And that rabbit, man, that hare, he was not diligent. Now, do you think the hare wanted to win the race? I would say so. Uh, I, mean, I mean, rabbits are just kind of cocky, you know? That's why they stand on the edge of the road. They're just daring you. They're like, I'm going to wait until you're two feet away, and then I'm going to run for the woods or run out in front of you sometime. They're just cocky animals. Surely the hare wanted to win the race. He desired that. But do you know why the tortoise won? He was diligent. He was diligent. Now, this is what the verse shows us. In verse 4, the Bible says, the diligent shall be made fat. God knew this long before. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, wait a minute. It didn't say he's a rewarder of those who really want to. I think all of us really want to. Go around the room and I, who wants to serve God? We'd all get on that bus. Yeah, I want to serve God. It didn't say that. It said he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That means that God blesses dividends to the soul who is diligent in seeking him out. I looked through my concordance today, and oh my goodness, there are so many verses. I won't give them all to you. But listen to this. Tell me if I'm wrong. Proverbs 10.4, he becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Notice the dividends. The hands of the diligent maketh rich. What is God telling us? He's telling us diligent always produces dividends. Here's the good news. Some of us may not be as talented as others. Some of us may not be as intelligent as others. Some of us may not have as much experience as others. But hey, all of us can be diligent. Hey, you may not be able to do something somebody else can do. You may not have the talent of Brother Ben tonight to play the piano. You may not can sing uh, like Miss Christie tonight. You may not be able to teach like folks who can teach in our church. But God promises us that if we're diligent in his will for our life, it will pay dividends. That will make you a little bit excited tonight. That, hey, if I'm diligent and faithful with what God's called me to do, that God's going to give spiritual and eternal dividends. One of the old preachers said this. It's a long quote, but I want you to hear it. God has hidden every precious thing in such a way that is a reward to the diligent, a prize to the earnest, but a disappointment to the slothful soul. All nature is arrayed against the lounger and the idler. The nut is hidden in the thorny case. The pearl is buried beneath the ocean waves. The gold is imprisoned in the rocky bosom of the mountains. The gem is found only after you crush the rock which encloses it. The very soil gives its harvest as a reward to the laboring farmer. So truth in God must be earnestly sought. Diligence. Diligence. There's a verse that we tell our daughter often in Ecclesiastes. Mom and Dad, if I could encourage you to teach your kids a verse, boy, a good one is Ecclesiastes 7.18. The Bible says, it is, a good, it is good that thou shouldest take hold of this, yea, also from this withdraw not thine hand. For he that feareth God shall come forth of them all. He that feareth God shall come forth of them all. 
You know, for Christian young people, also moms and dads, but uh, we relate this verse to our daughter. Well, Christian young people in this world, you feel like you fall behind. You feel like, boy, the world's moving past you, the world's moving ahead. By the way, if that's the case, just let it keep going. You don't want to be with them anyway. You feel like an outcast. Sometimes, you know, preacher's kids are weird. I'm one, you know, so I'm just bear witness of that. Preacher's kids are weird. Man, as a preacher's kid, sometimes you're like, which group do I fit in? And all this and all that. And you, you feel like maybe, you know, I just, I don't have it all together. And oftentimes we quote Ecclesiastes 7:18. The Bible says that if she'll learn to fear God, that she'll come forth of them all. So what do you mean by that? That means, hey, you just be diligent to keep God where he belongs. And God says, he'll handle the rest. You'll come forth of them all. Stay diligent. There's going to be dividends. Love this. This afternoon, I was studying in Matthew 7, thinking about this principle. Now, remember these three Ds, if you will. Desire coupled with diligence equals dividends. Desire coupled with diligence equals dividends. So I tell my wife all the time, when you find a principle in the Word of God, take that principle and start applying it all throughout Scripture and see if it is uh, in line with the rest of Scripture. So I begin to think about how many times in Scripture we see that principle. Desire coupled with diligence equals dividends. Give an example. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Now, we all want the door to open, don't we? I want it to be open to me. I want to receive. That's the desire. But what does the Bible say? We've got to be diligent. The Bible says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. That's diligence. You go to somebody's door, you knock on it. What are you doing? You're being diligent. Why? Because I desire whatever's on the other side of that door. It's like the Walmart man came to deliver our groceries. What a world we're living in. Walmart brings me my groceries. Just amazing. I didn't have to go and load them up. You know, sometimes Walmart can be creepy at night, can it? Amen, Brother Lee? Walmart can be creepy. He works there. Amen? I didn't have to go get it. Next thing you know, I hear this doo-doo on my door. I went and opened the door. The grocery fairy had left groceries right outside my door. Now, of course, we had to pay for them, okay? You do have to pay. Some of you are thinking, yes, I'm going to try it. No, you have to pay for them. It was wonderful. Now, I wanted what was on the other side of the door. Man, I had to open it up and to get what was there. You see? Diligence, desire, diligence leads to dividends. Proverbs 21.5, the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteous. The thoughts of the diligent tends only to plenteous. You know what plenteous is? Dividends. God is showing us tonight that diligence always produces dividends. Now, here's what we do. We sit around and we complain. I don't have any spiritual dividends in my life because I'm just not as talented. We sit around and we cry. I don't have any dividends in my life simply because I'm not as smart as they are. I didn't go to Bible college like them, and I just don't have any dividends tonight. No, you don't have dividends because you're not diligent. Because he promises us that if we knock, it'll be open. If we seek, we shall find. He says the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness. I'll give you one more. Proverbs 22, 29. Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. Sounds like a dividend to me. Diligence. You see, it's diligence that makes the difference tonight, and it always produces dividends in our life. So number one, what are we trying to see? Well, we're seeing here tonight, desire is not the same thing as diligence. Sooner or later, you've got to add a work to word to your want to. 
She said, man, I sure would like to have, I sure would like to be made spiritually fat and have plenteousness. I'd love to have it in my life. You've got to start working towards your want to. Number two, diligence always produces dividends. God promises us that. In all labor, there's, there's profit, the Bible says. You say, well, you know, I haven't got rich down here. Well, look, you just keep working. You'll be rich up there. You keep working, being faithful to God. But then there's something I told my wife. As I read verse 4 today, and reading through verse 4 study, I had two points. I was, I was going to be so excited to tell you I only had two. Like, man, yeah, we only have two. But then I saw something that I don't know that I've ever seen in verse number 4 before, a principle that we, we really need to get. Oftentimes, we desire. I'll give you this. This is in closing. We desire the plenteousness. We all do. We want God's blessings. We want God to use us. We want to grow in the will of God and our effectiveness for him. That's what we want. We desire that. Here's the problem. We never add diligence. We never add diligence. Here's what happens. It's something extremely sad. We read those verses about being maketh rich spiritually and bearing rule and having plenteous and standing before great men. And we're like, boy, I want those things in my life. I want to be used of God that way in my life. But we never add diligence to our desire. And you know what the outcome is? You begin to envy people who do. You begin to envy people who do. And I wish I had that in my life. I wish I had plenteousness. I'm not talking about financial. I'm not talking about possessions. I'm talking about being used. I wish I had that kind of plenteousness. Uh, I, I wish that I had those spiritual riches to be used of God. And after a while, your desire develops into envy. And you develop the third thing I want to show you tonight. Stick with me. I want to close with this. Desire without diligence leads to disdain. Desire without diligence leads to disdain. Here's what hit me this afternoon. Boy, I was sitting on my recliner. I had my computer in my lap and was thinking about what envy. You know, you think about envy and desire almost the same thing, aren't they? You envy something, you desire something. Almost the same thing. But here's what they really are. Envy is just the end of desire without diligence. That's what envy is. Envy is the end of desire that never had any diligence added to it. And boy, you wanted it, you want to be a part of it, and your heart was racing. Every revival and missions conference, God stirred your heart, and boy, the desire was there, and then after a while, it just died off. And then you're left with just envy, and listen close. Envy is what happens when you allow your desire to grow stale. That's what envy is. You had a desire and you wanted it, but you never did anything with it and it grew stale and it turns into envy. That's why we have bitter Christians. We sit around, we complain, and we critique. Let me tell you what they're doing wrong. Let me tell you what, how they should do their job better. And all we have the heart to do anymore is to critique them and to criticize them and armchair Christian their life. Do you know why that is? It's because we had a desire, we never did anything with it, and now we disdain the people who did because we see the blessings of God, and now we're just grumpy and miserable. Desire without diligence will lead to disdain. I'll give you one scripture before we close on that. In 1 Samuel 18, we read about David. By the way, I know this from my own personal life. And at some point, you've got to get over the regret and decide you're going to be diligent. I've been there. 1 Samuel 18 Here's David and Saul, and the Bible says, and the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Saul was very wroth, 
The saying displeased him, and he says, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? Listen close. And Saul eyed David from that day forward. Now Saul has already been deposed by God as king. But man, in Saul's heart, he desires what David has. I want what he's got. Man, I want what he got. Do you know why Saul disdains David? Because he has desire, watch. But he was not diligent. He was not diligent. Everything that David had, Saul could have had, but Saul's desire never translated to diligence. And now he sits back with his desire stale and crusty, and his desires become envy, and now he disdains David because of what God's doing in David's life. I give you this tonight as a warning, not, not as a chastisement, but a warning. If you don't do something with your desire, if you don't add some diligence to your desire, it will become disdain. And you'll find yourself critical of everything everybody else does. You'll find yourself criticizing people that God uses. I've been guilty of that. I've heard how God has used other pastors, other preachers, and I know those preachers and those pastors. Early in my ministry, well, they were just so faithful. They stayed in the Word of God. They had a prayer life. They walked with God, and I knew that I was hit and miss at times as a young preacher, and I knew God was blessing them in their life and their ministry because they were diligent. And so then we start picking them apart. Well, yeah, I mean, if I had his skills, then I could do that too. It wasn't his skills. It was diligence. The Bible says, verse 4, the soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing. I was grumpy because I didn't have what they had because I wasn't diligent and they were. Matthew Henry commentary, I use it a lot. It's kind of deep, but it's a good one. I read this today that I never knew about Matthew Henry. Matthew was in his study at 4 a.m. and remained until 8 a.m. After breakfast and family prayer, he would return to his place of prayer and study until 12 noon. After dinner, he resumed to his books and pen until 4 p.m. Most days, Matthew spent 10 and a half to 11 hours per day diligently writing down the message that the Lord had for him. You look at all that Matthew Henry's done and just help of a study in Christians who try to grow in their faith and pastors who've used his, his commentaries. I mean, I'd, I'd love to be able to leave something behind like that. Diligence. Diligence. You don't have diligence, sooner or later you're going to have disdain. Old preacher Samuel Johnson says, Whatever we hope to do with ease, we must first learn to do with diligence. I think I'm going to have that put on the wall in my office. Whatever we hope to do with ease, we must first learn to do with diligence. We've got to stick with it. We've got to add some feet to our prayers. Tonight, regardless of your talent, I promise you diligence makes a difference. Just ask David. He wasn't the most talented one on the battlefield that day, but it made a difference that he was diligent, he was faithful. Regardless tonight of your past, the diligence will make the difference. Just ask Paul. Just ask Paul. Oh, he had a bad past, but he was diligent. He says, I labored more abundantly, labored more abundantly than they all. Regardless of the unknowns, diligence makes the difference. Just ask Abraham. Regardless of the adversity, diligence will make the difference. Just ask Joseph. Can I tell you tonight, don't be settled so much tonight that you're fine where you're at having a desire. 
decide tonight I want that plenteousness, that prosperity in my spiritual walk, in the will of God for my life, and I choose tonight to add diligence to that. I'm going to do my part and add a little bit of, want, a little bit of work toward to my want to. Because diligence is what's going to make the difference in your life. Diligence is what's going to make the difference in Central Baptist Church. So tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed,